Here on Gadget Lab, we dive deep into the tech universe, tackling questions like, is giving companies access to your genetic material a good idea? And are the latest phone releases really that different than the last ones? We want to help you make informed decisions about what is worth your attention. And here's something that is undeniably worth your time, a digital subscription to Wired. Lucky for you, we are giving Gadget Lab listeners an exclusive discount, 20% off an annual subscription to Wired. Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive Home and Auto Policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Lauren. Mike. Lauren, are you still Pelotoning? <laughs> Even the way you ask that. <laughs> I mean, and not as much as I did last year, but yes, I am still Pelotoning. Have the cult leaders called you back in for a meeting? Oh, the cult leaders. Uh, well, actually... I did meet with Peloton recently, but it was not about the bike. I can't wait to hear all about it. Well, you're going to. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. And I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. And we are also joined in person this week by Wired's executive editor, Brian Barrett. Brian, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you all for having me. And so great to see you in person. Yes, you came all the way from Alabama just to talk about Peloton. That, and I'm getting on a, <laughs> got on the plane right before this, getting on another one right after this. <laughs> so you can go home to your Peloton. <laughs> but yeah, I get back and I got a, I got a, a 45 minute power zone uh, endurance class. <laughs> well, today we are asking you to drop your shoulders and drop your baggage, inhale the good shit, exhale the bullshit. <laughs> Lauren, you edited the script, didn't I you? I did, I did. I had to put that in there. Okay. Well, okay. If you haven't figured it out already, we are talking about Peloton today. It has been a long year for the streaming exercise company. There have been catastrophic accidents and a product recall, as well as some depictions of Pelotons in popular culture that were not exactly flattering. And after the company overestimated consumer demand for its stationary bikes during the pandemic, Peloton's longtime CEO was pushed out and a new one, a seasoned chief financial officer, was appointed head of the company. But now there is a brand new Peloton product, and it's not a bike and it's not a treadmill. It is, in fact, a camera. It looks and kind of works like an old Microsoft Connect, 
Lauren, you recently went to Peloton's labs in New York City and got a first look at this new device, which is called the Guide. Tell us what the Guide is. Is Peloton betting the farm on this new device? Short answer is no, Peloton is not betting the farm on the guide. But this guide thing is part of a broader effort to hook more subscribers and also to keep up a regular product release cadence so that current subscribers stick with Peloton. And I should note that the Peloton guide is mostly geared, at least right now, towards weightlifting and strength workouts. Okay, so what does it look like and how does it work? Yeah, so this is a good question. When I first heard about the guide, and this was months ago, I thought maybe it had infrared sensors like the Microsoft Connect and that it was uh, just sort of inferring your body movements. But this is, it's an actual camera. It's its like a set-top box, although one Peloton co-founder told me that is the worst word to use. He thinks it's a lot more than a set-top box. But it is this streaming media box that plugs into the back of your TV via HDMI cable, um, and it's got its own code base. It's running its own OS. Um, this is, you know, it's running an instance of the Peloton app that's different from the Peloton app on the bike or on the tread. And then it's got this full camera that captures what you're doing as you're weightlifting or doing strength training, and it places you alongside the instructor on the screen. Okay. So is it like tracking your arm movements and tracking like your weight lifting movements and things like that? Yes, there is something. It's a new feature of the Peloton app. It's called the movement tracker. It looks like uh, a little bead of sweat. I don't know. That's probably not the best way. To, that's what it looks like. It looks like a <laughs> droplet of sweat that appears on the screen. And as you are doing your reps, like whether it's bicep curls or lunges or squats, it the, the, the sweat tracker, the movement tracker is sort of being filled in because Peloton is recording how many reps you're doing. There is obviously some machine learning and artificial intelligence involved in, in making this happen. Peloton says this is all happening on device, that it is not storing this information and sending it to the cloud. It's also, I think, maybe a little bit limited at this point in terms of what it is telling you to do. Like, it's not telling you, like, straighten your back or turn your arm, you know, at, at a 90. Just, you just your shoulders just went back. That was very good. <laughs> or saying, like, you know, hold your arm at a 90 degree angle. It's not quite that granular yet, but it is it can tell that you're doing some sort of movement. And so it's recording that. When you say yet, is the intention that it will give tips on technique and things like that? Because like, I, I can see the real utility here being, if, especially for a novice, like don't do this in a way that's going to hurt yourself. But like, is that the plan that they're going to build that in eventually? Or I tried asking that a few different ways. And I, I didn't get a clear answer on that. I mean, I think ultimately, yes. Like I think this is Peloton's first step into really better understanding your body as you're using this exercise equipment. And so part of that is probably going to be giving you uh, more helpful or insightful feedback over time. But for now, one of the primary benefits you'll get from this is just it knows which body parts you have worked out based on the strength workouts that you've chosen to do. It knows approximately how many reps you have done and is scoring you on that accordingly. And then the next time you go to log into this app on your television, through this set-top box, um, you will see sort of this heat map of your body that shows the areas where you have been uh, concentrating your workouts on, and it'll suggest you, it'll say, like, your next workout should be X. So, for example, I I will do squats all day long. I mean, not literally, but I prefer to do, like, lower body exercises and lunges and that sort of thing. And and so I gravitate towards those. And, and now when I fire up the guide, there's a recommendation that I take Jess Sims's 
20 minute upper body class, which will inevitably involve a lot of push-ups, which I will hate, but I should probably be doing, right? And so it's starting to like make personalized recommendations over time. So this is a whole new realm for the company, right? It's not like it's putting you in front of a touchscreen tablet on a treadmill or on a bike. It's not asking you to put on a pair of earbuds and go walking or running out in the woods. It's plugging into your television and taking over like a different part of your home. Right. And you could argue that the company has already done that because the mobile app is popular, uh-huh. you know, and I see Brian nodding here. I use the app on Roku. But I, nice. but, I, but I guess it's also interesting because it's like it, it feels like a similar thing to a tonal or a mirror, but without extra equipment. Right. Yeah. It's just sort of using what you have in your house already. Yeah, that's that's a reasonable comparison to make, certainly, um, because those are also focused on either giving you that instant feedback of looking at yourself and seeing if you're doing the exercise properly um, and supposedly giving you motivation based on on that uh, or strength training in the case of tonal. Um, their form factors are different. Tonal requires you to install it into the wall. There are like these digital strength cables that you're supposed to use or that they're, these, they're physical cables, but they provide some kind of digital resistance. Um, Mirror, which sold to Lululemon uh, was, I mean, I, I used it very briefly. I did not think it was all of that great. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really offer the same kind of, uh, you know, it didn't have the same kind of pizzazz as Peloton. Sure. I think the same kind of... Uh, personalities and draw and stickiness of Peloton. But yes, similar idea. But in this case, Peloton's um, sort of execution of it was, why don't we just make it this tiny box that you plug into your TV and just put a camera in it? I have another question. As a Peloton user, and and I take the strength classes too, uh, sometimes, is this a whole new set of classes that are guide specific? Or can you use any strength class with this? Because if they're showing you Ah. alongside the instructor, I would imagine that so that lends itself to some moves rather than others. Good question. There is a specific set of classes that are designated for the guide. They're called like, I don't know, strength. There's they're just in the category of strength classes, but then you have to look for that movement tracker symbol. Um, but eventually they're probably going to move this into other quote unquote modalities. So you can picture like doing yoga classes or something with the guide. And I also think too, the, the camera like, Maybe there's potential for it to be more social because like Peloton right now on the treadmill and on the bike, they have cameras mm-hmm. and no, have you ever used yours? No, I, I have tape over mine. You have <laughs> like a good former cybersecurity yeah. reporter. Yes. Respect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think I've used mine once or twice. And every time we've done it, my friends and I have said, this is bad. Let's why are just we doing FaceTime this? And why yeah. are we doing this? Um, and if someone ever just kind of dropped in while I was in a class, I would be like, what are, what are you doing? So I think when Peloton first put those cameras on the bikes, there was this idea that maybe they would be used for social purposes as you were on the bike. And like, I really don't know anyone who uses it. So maybe part of the goal here is that eventually you will be able to live stream with your friends and then an instructor and take a live class and have like a more communal experience. I mean, this is all very ironic because this is happening, you know, as we are slowly emerging from pandemic life, uh, from quarantine. And this product has actually been in the works since 2019. So it was a pre-pandemic vision that they had. um, And now it's finally shipping. So people are starting to go back to gyms. Um, Data show that people are returning to like boutique fitness studios and that kind of thing. And Peloton is still just like, nope, you should you should use this in your home because this is going to be what you need for strength 
training and maybe yoga and some other stuff too. Do you get a sense when that, that Peloton sees this as on the same tier as the bike and the tread? Like, is this the net, like the, the third leg of their pillow stool or like, or, or is this just sort of a, we'll give it a try. <laughs> yeah. I said it. Third leg of their pillow stool. Do you guys do t-shirts? Do you guys do merch? We could make a t-shirt. We should. Pillow stool. We should. T-shirt. I think design that's, a, that's probably uh, a licensing question. I, yeah. We better be careful because they're going to look to hire Brian for their marketing department after that one. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, Yes and no. Like, I, I mean, I don't think, look, it's a nicely designed little piece of hardware. So far, I've been impressed with the software. It's not as heavy duty as a bike or a treadmill for obvious reasons. They're also pricing it a little bit differently. So the guide itself will cost $295 in the US. They're even introducing kind of a new subscription tier with this, at least temporarily. And um, no, I don't, I mean, I would, I would be surprised if as many of these sold as they've sold of the bikes. Then again, it's a lot easier to ship. Well, no, I guess I, I, I guess I ask because it does seem like a pretty narrow market. Like I feel like like the the actual need it's addressing. I don't. I just having a hard time thinking of how many people would pay for that. Because you've already get the because you already you can obviously already get the strength classes. If you already got the equipment at home and you've got the app at home, the idea of something that for now basically counts your reps for you and reminds you that you worked tries yesterday. In case you forgot. In case you forgot, right? Seem, it just seems like a tough, tough stuff. But I, I'm, I'm eager to, which I guess what I'm saying, I'm eager to see how it grows and how it can be, apply its AI more smartly and, and you know, work on form and, and give that sort of more added value than what it seems to be doing now. Your skepticism is well-founded. Yes. And I would say, like, I would love for you to try this, given that we have compared many notes on Peloton over the years. It's funny. There are times when Brian DMs me and he's like, Lauren, in all caps. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what news is breaking? And he's like, have you tried Dennis Morton's new class? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, OK. All right, good. It was just that. Um, and yes, I will. I'll get right on the bike. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, like, I would love for you to try it and, and see if you feel any more motivated to do the strength training classes just by using this this thingy, this set-top box slash camera. Um, because on the one hand, yes, why would you spend $300 for that when you can just use the mobile app and not have any kind of instant feedback and just do the same strength training workouts? On the other hand, you know, when Peloton first came out with the, the, the spin bike, the exercise bike, a lot of people said, why do I need a $2,000 spin bike with this giant tablet on it? And then it, you know, cultivated this whole community. So maybe they managed to do that with this. What, what's, the, what's the phrase where we say at the end of the story is we can't, we don't know how to finish? Time will tell. Time will tell. Remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. Right. <laughs> We're going to have to ship you one of these guides, Brian. I'm very curious. I am too. You know how I can tell what uh, muscle groups I worked out last time? Because you're sore? Yeah, whatever hurts. <laughs> <laughs> that means you're doing something right. Yeah. It's because I do it so infrequently that every time I jump back in, it's like, oh, okay, now well, that part hurts. Yes. So I'll wait until it doesn't hurt, and then I'll do it again. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will have some more pillow talk. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey everybody, it's Neil. I've got some huge news. Decoder is moving to Mondays and Thursdays. We're adding a second episode of the show. On Mondays, we'll have our classic interviews with CEOs and other troublemakers. I think we're going to have to start having conversations about how do we pay those jobs that can't be done by AI. And on Thursdays, we'll be explaining big topics in the news with Verge reporters, experts, and other friends of the show. There's a new generation of people on the internet. Google search has always sucked for them. So, you know, there's no reason for them to be loyal. They can just go to TikTok. This is going to be really fun. I'm very excited about all this. So go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts now. So Peloton has not had a great last 12 months. Its streaming workouts surged in popularity during quarantine, but as a result, the company wildly overestimated demand for its bikes and built more of them than the people out there were willing to buy. And so in February of this year, the company got a new CEO, fired a fifth of its workforce, and took a massive stock hit. But that doesn't mean that Peloton is exactly failing, right? It's still got one of the highest user retention rates in the industry, and it's still selling a bunch of products. Now, Brian, we brought you on because you understand all of the subtle forces of the stock market. Every so single one of them. <laughs> please, t- please tell us, is Peloton going to fail? Well, here's I, I thank you for re- recognizing my stock genius. Uh, it's what I'm known for here and elsewhere. No, I, I want. I, I think though it is healthy to separate that out the stock price from will Peloton succeed in the long run, right? Because the the stock price was very, very, very high, but because Peloton had sort of anticipated that the pandemic boom would never bust for itself. And clearly it did. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now with a new CEO, like it still has a good user base, a loyal user base. It still sells a lot of bikes. The supply chain issues seem to be largely resolved. You know, the stock is crawling back up slowly as of when we recorded this. When this comes out, who knows? (laughs) It may have uh, cratered again. (laughs) But I think I think Peloton is succeeding in that it still has a product. You would think that by now there would be a competitive exercise bike product or a competitive tread product that really ate significantly into what it was doing. I don't know that that's the case, right? There's Echelon, which is a a, a lower price point competitor based out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They make excellent devices. We've yep. reviewed some of them. Yep. Uh, you know, Nordic Track has some devices like that. But I think Peloton's still holding state in market share. They're competing with gyms and people going back to work. I have always worked from home, so I'm a bad use case. I still use my Peloton a lot. I'm a loyalist. Sometimes when I slack Lauren in all caps, I, I think I literally at one point said, I hope Peloton's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really like have a, have a parasocial relationship with the company and its employees. So uh, I think what we can look at Peloton in the future is a company that is not as world beating as the one it had presented itself as, but still can be healthy uh, and enduring based on a really strong and loyal user base. I, I think, I do think they need to grow into other markets. I don't know that the guide is what's going to do it. Who knows? But I, you know, I, I start to think there have been rumors for a long time about will they have a rowing machine? Will they? Uh, well, basically just that. But I like I, I, I'm <laughs> curious to see how they grow and continue to attract new people because I do think, and especially when it gets more competitive in terms of you know when does. When do people start poaching Peloton instructors? When does Apple start um, snapping up some of their marquee talent? How does that affect things? Um, so I don't know. It, it's it's curious to see how it goes. But again, I think they do have they have a a really intense loyal fan base, and it's also a product that just works the way that you want it to and expect it to. And I think there's only a handful of those that like 
really feel worth it these mm-hmm. days. I think Peloton, Roku, and iPhone are sort of like the three pieces of hardware that I am consistently like not annoyed at, mm-hmm. which right. is which is my bar, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. it's 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 stuff that just works the way you want it to, and you feel like you you got what you paid for. I'll Have add you Sonos used? To my list. Oh yeah, Sonos. Mm-hmm. Have you tried Apple Fitness Plus? I have not. I have a trial subscription available to me because I recently took the plunge and got an Apple Watch. Um, but I have not activated it yet. I don't think I'm going to. The subscription. The subscription. Mm-hmm. You activated the watch. Well, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> no, I I don't think I'm going to because, I, I again, I think like part of the appeal of Peloton, I, they have structured classes and instructors that I know that I like and that I respond to and I know what I'm getting and I'm not I don't really feel the need to look elsewhere, which is saying a lot, I think. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't really feel the need to comparison shop. Um, mm-hmm. I think also, in terms of the bike, having everything integrated into the bike just feels like a much better experience than the tablet. The thing I would potentially try it for is a, for runs, outdoor runs, um, would potentially try Apple Fitness with. But again, I think Peloton has a really good offering there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really sort of happy with, with what I got. So, yeah, I, I have not tried it yet. So, Brian... Let's say Peloton was not okay mm-hmm. and uh, bigger tech companies were kicking the tires and they ended up getting acquired. Yeah. Who do you think makes the most sense there? So, and I know this is one of the original, this is one of the, the, the main rumor that I saw and I think it does make sense. I think Amazon makes sense mm-hmm. because they just can just fold it into Prime potentially. You know, they've got the distribution channels which peloton desperately needs help with yeah they've got the subscription model which peloton plays into i would be sad if that happened partly because i was also an eero customer and and like i was annoyed that all of a sudden my router was controlled by amazon when i had not intended for that to happen um i think i'd feel similarly about peloton i don't know i mean you could see it it's it's an apple quality hardware i don't know that apple would acquire a third party hardware company though i don't know and i mean you know if you buy peloton you're buying the platform yeah right you're buying the instructors the user base the experience and you know it would have to be something that slotted neatly into the way that apple likes to present those things yeah right and apple also likes to keep things tightly controlled and mostly behind a wall and peloton is pretty accessible i mean price point aside Mm -hmm. but it's available to to anyone really like it's actually running on a giant android tablet and um imagine yeah you don't don't need an apple watch to use it right like it's a nice little addition but it's not yeah it's not limited in those ways and apple's a much more closed ecosystem what about um what was the other one that was floated oh nike was i think one of the yeah i mean i nike makes reported that nike makes sense on a few levels i guess but it also gets away from their core competence, right? Like the idea of, because again, it's, it's the platform, right? And mm-hmm. Nike has some experience partnering with Apple and others on on the software bit. and on. But it just seems like a leap to all of a sudden you own this giant platform and all the hardware. It's just like, it, it feels like it would be a lot for them to take on outside of their areas of expertise potentially, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a fitness alignment. The, the It's hard to see a lot of other alignments mm-hmm. on it. <laughs> the other tech giants maybe, right? Like it, you could see Google 
doing it because Google has had interest there before with Fitbit, right? In this, in the health space, they don't have anything like this. While Apple is moving into it, you know, Microsoft buys random things all the time, mm -hmm. <laughs> so this could be a random thing for Microsoft to buy. Right. You can um, uh, check your LinkedIn from Peloton. Exactly. If Microsoft buys it. I mean, it kind of makes yeah. a weird. Like, I think Microsoft to me is is maybe going to GitHub. I don't. <laughs> Cortana, <laughs> let's do some yoga. Oh God. Oh <laughs> wow. Well, and honestly, I mean, if they brought you the Connect, they can they know what to do with the guide. Exactly. Um, no, but and, and Microsoft also tends to enjoy owning random uh, social networks, <laughs> LinkedIn, Minecraft, Yammer, Skype, Yammer. Uh, wow, we're dating ourselves. Well, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I, but I hope that doesn't happen. And I, not just for my own personal interests and the ways I think it would change. Peloton, I, I think it's important that independent hardware companies can make it on their own. I think that we have seen so much consolidation and there's really just a handful of companies that that make really good hardware that don't get either bought up or can't go the distance because they ran out of money, because they ran out of runway. And I, Lauren, I know you've written about this before recently, but I, I think Peloton is a good example that you can make something great outside of those closed systems or those you know established giants and that's so rare so i'd like to see them sort of like to see them make it it is it's becoming increasingly rare there's too much consolidation happening i think and um that's not good it's not good for customers it's not good for people who are trying to innovate and um i too would be sad if peloton got acquired by one of the big tech giants i'm not quite sure like why like i'm sure i could go down the list of all of the companies we just talked about and find some reason why that would maybe affect the user experience or be disappointing in some way but I'd prefer it if it uh, stayed independent. Now, here's an idea. What if Peloton, it's just like a pie in the sky, what if they bought a company like Strava? Because Strava is also one of the few subscription-based fitness companies that has remained independent. Mm -hmm. um, lots of venture funding there. Uh, but And not a publicly traded company like Peloton, but, but independent regardless. And um, they're focused on the outdoor space, right? Like Strava is just not the same experience. You can share like your Peloton ride to Strava or your yoga class to Strava, but really they are, they're focused on like utilizing GPS either on your bike outdoors or your smartphone or your Garmin watch. Mm -hmm. And Peloton doesn't really have like an outdoor strategy. Yeah. They have those outdoor runs we talked about, yeah. but... Which is why I tend to think of um, possible, you know, companies that they could partner with or they they could be purchased by. And I think of Under Armour, you know, they have done the Map My Ride, Map My Run acquisitions and yep. really folded that into the experience. They have experience with hardware. They have experience with social networks. That's a partnership that could work. They also bought, didn't they buy MyFitnessPal? Under mm -hmm. Armour? Yeah, yep. yeah. they did. Pal. So, you know, I think uh, there's something that has shocked me is that Netflix has not gotten into fitness in the last two years. It's this giant streaming service that has already piped into everybody's homes. Mm -hmm. And they had that uh, that partnership with uh, Headspace, mm -hmm. right, where you could watch, like, the, the videos that taught you how oh, to meditate. Oh, right. They did that with yeah. Vox Media, right? Didn't yeah. They? Yeah. As soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, well, here come, you know, the Netflix yoga hour and the Netflix 20-minute workout and the Netflix 40-minute workout. But it just never happened. They're doing video games instead, Mike. They're doing, they went the other direction with it. Yeah. Went, That's right. They're going to be doing interactive stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I, I did actually ask one of the Peloton co-founders, Tom Cortezzi, about the guide specifically. Like when I referred to it as a set-top box and he was like, that's the worst thing you can call it. And, and I said, yeah, but like it is, right? Like it plugs into your TV and it gives you this experience in your TV. And I kind of wondered, like, is it a crazy idea to think that maybe this could eventually power, there could be part of a bundle where like you 
you get like HBO Max and Peloton as part of a bundle or Netflix and Peloton as part of a bundle. And this box is actually becomes like your TV box. Like it's what serves up all this stuff and it's optimized for Peloton. Mm-hmm. And and he, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines of like, our goal is really not to op- optimize like your HBO Max, like watch time. <laughs> like we want you to be using Peloton. Right. You know, to circle back to another thing, in addition to the guide, they also introduced Lane Break, which is sort of a gamified bike experience. And I guess, Lauren, when you look at those two as sort of the latest innovations for Belton, is that encouraging to you or does that feel like a company that doesn't quite know how to keep growing? That's a that's an excellent question. Because with something like Lane Break, it definitely feels like an experiment or like it's a little bit uh, supplemental to the core riding experience on the bike. I don't know. Have you tried it yet? I tried it one time. And that was it. One and done. One and done. You're not compelled to go back. Not really. I, because, but I'm, I'm also, I have got, I've got sort of my set. I like doing my power zone yeah. classes. I don't <laughs> right. stray. You're like Dennis and Matt. I yeah, get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. You guys have and to bro out. Ben. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I've done lane break three times, I think. And I do like it. I would go, I would go back to it. And mostly because it, it, I was not distracted. Like other classes, I, I might like be like, well, I should check my phone. And like with lane break, you have to actually be engaged. Yeah. I mean, the way I think about these new product launches is that these are holdovers from from an earlier era, right? Like Guide, we know, has been in the works since 2019. Lane Break has been in the works for at least a little while. Um, and so these were part of a strategy from like a year or three ago, and now they're just rolling out. And so I think the big question is going to be under this new leadership at Peloton, uh, now with Barry McCarthy as CEO, they just hired a new operations lead. They're just kind of moving things around in the executive ranks like whether or not truly innovative stuff comes out of Peloton in the coming six to 12 months. I think that's the bigger question. All right. Well, let's wrap it right there. We'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll do our recommendations. Want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Come on, of course you do. Introducing The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening, even inside your own brain. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists, to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I, N as in Nancy, G-E-R, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. All right, welcome back. We are now at that portion of our show where we have the guest and then the hosts recommend something to our listeners that they might enjoy. Brian, you are our guest. You get to go first. What is your recommendation? My recommendation is Middlemarch by George Eliot. Middlemarch by George Eliot. The novel Middlemarch by George Eliot, a pen name. I was an English major. Both my parents are English teachers. I had never read (laughs) Middlemarch (laughs) until... We're we're laughing. (laughs) We're laughing because one of our listeners was annoyed at our show and decided to unsubscribe and does not listen anymore because we are a bunch of, in in their words... (laughs) millennial English majors. <laughs> I well, I'm I'm a grand millennial first of all. <laughs> I'm right on the cusp. I'm generation Y. Also known as a zillennial? Zillennial? Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, 
you can edit that out if you want, but I am who I am. Yeah, no, please. And I'm reading Middlemarch. <laughs> and y'alls can send me as many emails as you want about it. But it's great literature, which sounds like you could use, you heathens. <laughs> Middlemarch. I Get right now. I was just gonna. I, you know, I was just gonna recommend it because I'm enjoying it. But now I'm recommending it because you need it. <laughs> so what is the what is uh, the thing about Middlemarch that makes you urge other people to read it? It is so. It's uh, it's it's a very long novel, but it, it basically as as I read it, like almost every page is something that's really revelatory about uh, humans and how they work and how they think. It goes on some really fun tangents and diversions into sort of scientific philosophy so there's something for the science people in there and it's really the kind of thing where it's like where you read it and you think wow it's impressive that other people kept trying to write novels after this mm-hmm. uh, because this one kind of did it, it kind of did the thing that novels are supposed to do about as well as you're going to do it mm. it's I, I highly recommend it it's very worth it when was it written it was written a long time ago <laughs> in the 1800s It was written in the uh, late 1800s, and it takes place in the mid-1800s, which is an important distinction. No. (laughs) (laughs) And George Eliot uh, was Marianne Evans. Correct. She wrote Also an English major. There you go. (laughs) I don't know. I'm guessing. (laughs) Uh, And who wrote uh, wrote under a pen name because she was worried she would not be taken as seriously Mm -hmm. unless she had a man's name, which is terrible. Yeah. Sign of the times, I guess. Sign of sign of the late 1800s. <laughs> so you're enjoying it so much that though you are not finished with the book, you're giving it a wholehearted recommendation. True. So I am halfway. I'm a little over halfway through, but I I unless it like unless like Sonic the Hedgehog shows up or something, unless it goes terribly awry, I think I'm gonna keep <laughs> like in the book. Yeah. Oh like God. like I'm just trying to think of I'm trying to think like, of a if twist. A new Sonic game drops. I'm done. Yeah, with well, that too. No, I'm about halfway through. Um, even even just the first half alone is is I would recommend reading that much uh, and anything else I think would be gravy. <laughs> I just Sonic the I've I've read the book and I can confirm. <laughs> spoiler alert: Sonic like, the Hedgehog does not show up. Did you guys have an agreement before the show to drop Sonic the Hedgehog in at some point? No, no. That was perfect. All right, so middle March, you can buy it pretty much anywhere. You don't even have to buy it, probably. Right, it's there's... probably available for free through the library or for like a dollar on the Kindle. Yeah. All right, Lauren, what is your recommendation? Mike. <laughs> I also recommend Mike. <laughs> Mike is great. Ah, shucks. Uh, so normally I don't like to recommend things that I haven't finished. We've talked about this a lot. That's why mm-hmm. I haven't recommended Empire of Pain yet. Although I'm almost done with that book. And really, I do recommend it. Everyone should read it. But I have to recommend We Crashed. Our colleague, Ariel wrote about this, Wired.com. Well, mm-hmm. She wrote about all of the shows that are coming out right now that are about these megalomaniacs in Silicon Valley, these mm-hmm. founders who like ended up either, I don't know, crashing and burning um, or defrauding people in the case of Elizabeth Holmes. And, and Ariel said, like, of the... The few shows that she's watching right now, we she thought We Crashed was the best. I saw a lot of people talking about it on Twitter. And so I finally gave it a try, and it is very, very good. Nice. I'm two episodes in. I'm already hooked. I plan on finishing it. It's great. It's Apple TV Plus? Apple TV Plus. So is it like 
three episodes at once and then one a week or all at once? I think it's one a week. I'm a little behind the curve. Okay. So there are like a few available for me to watch now. Okay. So I should be able to binge watch it appropriately. Do you find yourself waiting until all the episodes out before you get into a show that you want to watch? No, like with a couple other shows, like I'll do the week by week thing if I'm really into them. It's more just I've been... I, I've been like really busy lately. I know that sounds like such a cliche, but I have been. So I haven't been watching a lot of shows. So now I have some catching up to do. And I got to say, I like the week by week thing more and more. I, I sort of like having something to look forward to and knowing that we're all not just like in general, but, just, you know, I <laughs> like I like and that they're, they're all like experiencing the thing at the same time. I, I miss linear TV is what I'm saying a little bit. I'm glad we're kind of nudging back toward oh, that. You're such a zennial. I don't miss it. I don't miss it. Whenever I'm watching something and there's not another episode available, I just turn to my wife and I say, all right, let's watch the next one. And it never fails. She always laughs. I'm a joy to live with. I'm telling you. Uh, sounds like it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Check out We Crashed Apple TV Plus starring Jared Leto as mm-hmm. Adam Newman and Anne Hathaway as Rebecca Newman. They do a fantastic job. Awesome. What's your recommendation, Mike? My recommendation is a book. It is a fairly new book. I think it came out right at the end of 2021. It's called The History of Bones, and it's a memoir written by John Lurie. Do you guys know who John Lurie is? Mm-hmm. I okay. do not. Well, let me tell you. John Lurie is a musician and an actor and an artist. Uh, he is a New York downtown figure from like the late 70s, early 80s. So he's uh, a painter and uh, he plays the saxophone in a band called The Lounge Lizards, which was a, uh, a very big band in the downtown New York scene of the early 1980s. He was in a bunch of Jim Jarmusch movies. Uh, he was in some David Lynch movies. He's been in a bunch of other things. He came to prominence in American pop culture in the late 90s when he had a television show called Fishing with John, where he went out fishing with his celebrity friends and they like never caught any fish. It was just sort of this like existential gauzy documentary of just two people hanging out on a boat talking about life. And he now has a show called painting with John on HBO that I recommended last year, which is now in its second season. So John Lurie is enjoying this resurgence in the world because people are watching a show and everybody's talking about him. He's written a book. It's a memoir. It is a look back at his life. He was born in like the mid 1950s. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff from when he was very young in uh, the late 60s, early 70s. But, you know, he hangs out in the New York art world in the 70s and 80s. So tons of great stories about people like Jean-Michel Basquiat and Andy Warhol and Arto Lindsay and, you know, just the CBGB scene and all that. It's really a lot of fun. Uh, There's a lot of uh, sleepless nights Mm -hmm. and uh, some uh, adult beverages and uh, crazy fun stories. You just like you feel like you're hanging out with John Lurie when you read the book. Can I ask, is the title referencing uh, anything in particular? Is it it's a it's an evocative title for the for the memoir? Is there... uh, all I think no, not really. A lot of his works have very evocative titles. Like uh, you know, he has uh, songs with names like um, "The Queen of All Ears," hmm. "If I Sleep, the Plane Will Crash." You know, yeah. <laughs> um, he's he's uh, gives his paintings very like esoteric, weird titles also. So it's just sort of in his that's sort of his shtick. I love it. Yeah. He has a lot of fun with words. I would definitely watch a video of the two of you hanging out. Me and John Larry. Yeah, like clicking mushrooms or something like actual mushrooms, not psychedelics. OK, sure. I mean, I would love to do that. I doubt he would have me. He's a very private man. But uh, I can recommend painting with John if you want a little taste of of the Larry. That's a double Lurie recommendation. 
It is. Yeah. I've already recommended that though. So now I have to oh, recommend sorry. the book. I really, I really love the book. You know, I, it came out, I bought it when it came out. It's been sitting there. I finally cracked it open and just blew through it. It's awesome. So highly recommended. All right. Well, that is our show for this week. Brian, thanks for being here. Thank you all for having me. Of course. I'll anytime. I'll see you on the Peloton, Brian. No, you won't. I got that tape. The tape over the camera. <laughs> yeah, but I'll high five <laughs> you. <laughs> Just kidding. And thank you all for listening. You can read Lauren's story about Peloton Guide, and you can read Adrian So's review of the Peloton Guide. Both of them are on Wired.com. Definitely check them out, and please subscribe to Wired while you're there. If you have feedback about this show, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes. This show is produced by Boone Ashworth. Goodbye, and we will be back next week. Hackers and cyber criminals have always held this kind of special fascination. Obviously, I can't tell you too much about what I do. It's a game. Who's the best hacker? And I was like, well, this is child's play. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and on the Click Here podcast, you'll meet them and the people trying to stop them. We're not afraid of the attack. We're afraid of the creativity and the intelligence of the human being behind it. Click Here, stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. AI machines, satellite, engine ignition. Click Here. And liftoff. Click Here, every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. From P.